Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Armchair Detectives Wanted. Vanished on a one-way ticket to London. A case from the UK. We are pleased that you have decided to join us. Your involvement really will make a difference. So once again, thank you. Don't just listen, be involved. Before we start, I will just issue a warning. This podcast may include content that some could find upsetting. It may also contain offensive language. As with all these cases, they are real life events. So please be aware that the crimes have had an impact on the family and friends of the victim. Andrew Gosden purchased a one-way train ticket to London and vanished without a trace on the 14th of September 2007. At the time he went missing, he was just 14 years old. This year in 2023, it would have been Andrew's 30th birthday. Before we discuss the events of the day that Andrew went missing, let's talk about his upbringing and early life. Andrew lived in Bowlby in Doncaster with his parents. They affectionately nicknamed him Rue. Both his parents are Anglican Christian and attend church regularly. Andrew also used to attend church with his parents. However, he stopped going around 18 months before he was last seen. He had been a key member of the Scouts, but it appeared he had either lost interest or had become disillusioned when he told his father a few months before he went missing that he would not be attending anymore. His parents describe Andrew as a home bird, stating he didn't often leave the house, but if they did, they always knew where he was. Andrew attended Macaulay Catholic High School and he was deemed a high achiever. It was obvious that he enjoyed school through his 100% attendance record. He was in the top 5% of his year and seemed to cruise through his education. His expectations were high and he hoped to achieve high grades in his GCSE examinations. He had a bright educational future ahead of him. In fact, Lancaster University had asked Andrew to attend during the summer of 2006. His parents confirmed when he returned from Lancaster, he was extremely enthusiastic. They say he was looking forward to his future. Andrew had a small circle of friends at school, according to his parents. They do say, though, that he didn't really socialise much with them outside of school. He never complained of any bullying and did not display any signs of low mood throughout his childhood or schooling. Andrew was described by his teachers as a shy young man. His father stated he could be absent-minded, but who isn't at that age? Although 14 at the time of his disappearance, Andrew did look young for his age. He was deaf in his left ear and wore prescription glasses. He had a distinctive ridge on his right ear, which you can see in the photograph at www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com. At the time Andrew disappeared, he had light brown hair, but he did mention that he wanted to dye it black. Unlike most children or teenagers, Andrew was not particularly connected to his mobile phone. He had lost a few phones, including one purchased for his 12th birthday. He didn't really seem bothered about having a phone and said instead he would much prefer to have it replaced with an Xbox. 
Andrew was interested in gaming and heavy metal bands. Andrew had a grandmother who resided in London. During the summer school holidays of 2007, he was asked if he would like to go and visit her, but he declined. The school holidays finished and he returned to school without any issues. During the first term of 2007, he did seem to change a little. He broke with his normal routine. He would normally return home on the school bus. However, on two occasions, out of the first eight days of school, he decided to walk. The route is approximately four miles and would have taken him about an hour. On the day before his disappearance, nothing unusual occurred. He watched the television with his parents and completed a jigsaw with his father. They ate their evening meal and washed the dishes. His mother recalls on the day of his disappearance, she found it difficult to wake him. This was unusual as he was always on time for school. A family friend, the Reverend Murray, saw Andrew at about 8.05am as he walked across the park to the school bus. Strangely, he then failed to take the school bus and made his way to a local petrol station. He then used the ATM, withdrawing a total of £200, which left £14 in his account. He had, in effect, emptied his bank account. A short while later, he was captured on his neighbour's CCTV, returning home. Andrew then changed back into a Slipknot t-shirt, black jeans, trainers and he was wearing a watch on his left wrist. He was carrying a black satchel decorated with badges of bands. He had his wallet, keys and a portable PlayStation game. It is important to note that he left behind at home the charger for the games console and £100 in cash, which was his birthday money. He does not appear to have taken a jacket or sweater with him. Although it was a relatively warm day, this is still September in England. He placed his school uniform in the washing machine and his blazer on the back of his chair. A check revealed that he left his passport at home. Andrew then left his home address at 8.30am and was seen on a neighbour's CCTV walking along Littlemore Lane toward Westfield Park. Andrew then made his way to Doncaster Railway Station. He purchased a one-way ticket to London at a cost of £31.40. A one-way ticket, so clearly at the time he had something in mind. When the ticket vendor was spoken to, they confirmed they had informed Andrew that return ticket was only a small amount more. But he seemed adamant, he only wanted a single. At 9.35am, he boarded the train to Kring's Cross Station, London. A witness recalls sitting next to him, saying he was quiet and engrossed with his game console. The school realised that he had failed to attend, so left a voicemail message for his parents. Unfortunately, the school left the message on the wrong parents' answer machine. At 11.20am, Gosden arrived at King's Cross Station. The clock was now ticking to the last sighting of Andrew. At 11.25am, he was captured on CCTV, leaving the main entrance of King's Cross Station. He then vanished. This was the last verified sighting of him.
It wasn't until around 7pm that evening that the police were contacted. Initially, his parents thought he was in the cellar or in his bedroom. When they realised he wasn't at home and wasn't with his friends, and the fact that he had not been seen in school that day, they started to panic. Almost immediately, family and friends began to search the local area. They covered his route to school and the local park. However, as the family were to discover, he had already travelled to London. Andrew did have relatives in the capital city, so the search concentrated on the areas of Sidcup and Chislehurst, where his family resided. His father didn't believe that it was strange that he had purchased a one-way ticket because of the fact that they did have family in London. On realising Andrew had travelled to the capital city, the family followed. They displayed leaflets hoping to gain some information of his whereabouts. Approximately three weeks after his disappearance, CCTV from King's Cross Station provided verified images of him leaving the station. These were circulated on the mainstream media. The police initially worked on the theory that Andrew had travelled to meet someone. They thought that he may have arranged to meet someone online. However, his father dismissed this theory, confirming that Andrew didn't even have an email address. It was also established he had not registered any online accounts through his Xbox, and his father stated that Andrew did not use a computer at home. The police recovered a computer from school and Doncaster Library, which Andrew may have used prior to his disappearance. A forensic examination was completed on both computers, but neither provided any evidence or lines of inquiry. Further inquiries with Sony confirmed that Andrew's PSP had also not completed any account setup. The only laptop at the home address belonged to Andrew's sister and she confirmed that he did not use it. In fact, the family even stated that Andrew didn't seem particularly bothered about contacting anyone at all online. The family tried to make sense of why Andrew would have travelled to London. He did have relatives there and he also enjoyed sightseeing. And because he had travelled there previously, he had a good knowledge of the transport systems. He enjoyed museums and exhibitions which he had previously visited. It is worth noting, at the time of Andrew's disappearance, travel on London's buses was free for children, so this may have also enticed him to the capital city. One theory is that he may have attended a YouTube gathering on the 15th of September 2007. Another theory is that he may have gone to attend a music concert. On the evening of the day that Andrew went missing, the group, 30 Seconds to Mars, were playing in Brixton. Another group, Sixth, a metal band, also played their farewell gig at the Carlin Academy that day. He could have walked to the Academy from King's Cross Station where he was last seen on CCTV. Again, this was a viable line of inquiry, but there was no concrete evidence to say that he attended either of these concerts or that he even liked the bands. The Carlin Academy, which is now known as the O2 Academy, is close to Regent's Canal and the canal eventually flows into the River Thames. South Yorkshire Police requested British Transport Police search the CCTV at King's Cross train station within two days of him being reported missing. It appears that BTP 
struggled to locate him on the CCTV, so South Yorkshire Police sent their own staff to view it. As a result of this, Andrew was identified leaving Kings Cross Station. However, it appears that other CCTV opportunities were missed. Speaking in 2009, Kevin Gosden speculated on the reason for Andrew's disappearance. Did he decide to do the Reginald Perrin thing and reinvent himself? Or was there something troubling him that he felt he couldn't tell us? In my heart, I still think his disappearance was a spur-of-the-moment thing. There were a number of potential sightings, in fact in excess of 100 throughout the country, with 45 in London and 11 in Brighton. The family believed that a sighting in the Pizza Hut on Oxford Street the day he went missing was indeed Andrew. This was approximately one hour's walk from King's Cross. Sightings of Gosden in London continued to be provided by the public. He was seen in Southwark Park, at Mortlake Station, Sheen Lane and Upper Richmond Road and Covent Garden, as well as Streatham and the Natural History Museum. He was also seen as far away as Birkenhead and Southend. In November 2008, a male visited Leominster Police Station in Hertfordshire. At the time, the male spoke over the intercom and stated that he had information about Andrew Gosden. However, by the time a police officer had attended the front desk, the male had left. The BBC appealed for the male to get in touch after featuring the case on one of their shows. They received an anonymous letter from a male purporting to be the person that attended the police station. However, this line of inquiry did not provide any further evidence locating Andrew Gosden. In September 2009, images were released to the media showing what Andrew may look like through age progression technology. These can also be seen at www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com. In 2009, the family appealed to the gay community with Andrew's father Kevin Godston saying, We are a pretty open family, so have wondered if he was gay or struggling with his sexual identity and found it too awkward to raise. If he is gay, we do not have any issue with it. He is loved unconditionally by both my wife and I and his sister. In 2011, the family commissioned a private company to search the River Thames. However, no trace of Andrew was found. In 2017, the family continued campaigning, erasing the profile of Andrew with appeals on Panorama and the Missing People charity. In 2018, it was reported by the family that someone had been in touch with a person online. The person stated that they needed £200 for rent, having been left by their partner. A good Samaritan offered the £200, but when they requested a bank account, the person stated they did not have one as they had left home at 14. Enquiries by the police, thinking this may have led to some information regarding Andrew's disappearance, did not, however, identify this person. On the 8th of December 2021, police confirmed they had arrested two males in connection with the disappearance of Andrew. They were arrested for kidnap and human trafficking. The two suspects were aged 38 and 45 at the time of their arrest. 
the older male was also arrested for possession of child pornography. A number of devices were recovered from the suspects, including their computers and phones, which were sent for forensic examination. The Gosden family have never given up hope, as no family would. They continue to remind the public that Andrew could still be out there. His family have left Andrew's room as it was the day he disappeared. The locks to the doors remain the same in the hope that one day he will return home and walk through the front door. Andrew's family deserve an answer. They need to know what happened to their beloved relative. So, it's now over to you, Armchair Detectives Wanted team. This is what we know. Andrew was last seen on the 14th of September 2007. His family life appears to be settled and no underlying issues have been reported. We know he is performing well at school and has a 100% attendance record. He is a talented student and was in the top 5%. The school does not report any bullying. He likes video games and heavy metal bands. Andrew is a quiet person and doesn't really socialise out of school. He was deaf in one ear and wore prescription glasses. His right ear is identifiable due to a number of ridges. Andrew wasn't diagnosed with any mental health issues and did not appear to suffer from depression. He broke with his normal routine walking home instead of taking the bus. It was a normal day in the Gosden household on the evening before he went missing. His mother, for some reason, struggled to raise him from his bed on the day he vanished. On the morning of his disappearance, he put on his school uniform and left for school at 8.05am. He returned home a short while later, placing his uniform in the washer and his jacket on the chair. He leaves behind his passport. At 8.30am, he leaves home and heads for Doncaster train station. He withdraws £200 from a local ATM. He then purchases a one-way ticket to Kings Cross, London. He boards the train in Doncaster at 9.35am. Andrew arrives at King's Cross at 11.20am. The last verified sighting of Andrew was at 11.25am as he exit the train station. Forensic examination of computers, PSP and Xbox failed to find any evidence. There hasn't been a single confirmed sighting of him since. This is what we don't know. Why did Andrew stop attending Scouts? Is there a reason that he stopped going to church? Why did he start walking home from school? Was he meeting someone? Was he being bullied at school? Did Andrew discuss with anyone his intention to leave home? Why did his mother struggle to raise him from bed that morning? It appears that Andrew didn't take a jacket or a coat with him that day. Why was that? Is there an underlying reason why he deceived his parents into believing he was attending school on the day that he disappeared? It is also unusual that he didn't show any interest in phones or computers. On attending the ATM machine, he withdrew the maximum amount but left behind cash and vouchers at home. Why was this? It is unusual that he placed his uniform in the wash. Was he trying to gain time? Is there a reason that he didn't take the charger for his PSP? 
Why did Andrew purchase a one-way ticket to London when a return train ticket was a similar price? Was Andrew meeting someone in London or did he meet someone in London that day? Could Andrew have attended a heavy metal concert on the day that he arrived in London? Regent's Canal is not far from the music venues that Andrew could have attended. Has this been considered and has the area been searched? Was it Andrew that attended Leominster Police Station in 2008 or was it someone else? And if so, who is this person and who sent the letter to the BBC? Has the letter been examined for handwriting or fingerprints or DNA analysis? Has Andrew obtained further prescription glasses since he disappeared and if so, where could he have got those from? Is he still in London? What happened to his bag and the belongings that he took with him that day? Why have there been no other sightings of Andrew since the day that he vanished in London? And are there any other CCTV images available out there? How can a 14-year-old boy just vanish without a trace? Someone must know something and someone must have seen something. Please visit our Facebook page, Armchair Detectives Wanted, where you will be able to discuss your theories and views with other members. And don't forget to go to www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com where you will find photos and further information about the case. We would just like to provide an update. Since this podcast was recorded, the two people arrested in connection with Andrew's disappearance have been released from further investigation. Now it's time for week four of our scenario. You have decided to force entry through the front door. You shout out saying it's police, but you don't get a response. You enter through the hallway and make your way to the living room. You can see that a lamp and glass are smashed on the floor. A table has been knocked over. As you make your way into the kitchen, you can see a female lying on the floor. You cannot tell if she is breathing or not. What will you do? A. Immediately call the police control room and let them know. B. Approach the female. C. Don't approach the female and leave her in position so that the crime scene is not disturbed. D. Immediately leave the property and secure the scene. E. Continue to search the house. Thank you for listening to Armchair Detectives Wanted. You are one of the team. Remember, don't just listen, be involved. We really would appreciate you recommending our podcast to others. We look forward to you joining us next week for episode 5, 5 Used Bullets. <laughs>